Thank you, Jesus. Well, praise God. If you would, get your Bibles out tonight. I don't want to share a word with you, so go, if you would, to the book of Luke, chapter 5. Luke's Gospel, the chapter 5. Now, I shared this sometime. I don't know if it was Sunday or what, but I want to, I want to start here in Luke 5, where Jesus is preaching to the people, and the people get so pressing upon him and so hungry for the gospel and hungry to hear what he's got to say. And you can imagine if he was saying something and you couldn't hear and you kept pressing forward and then, you know, just kept pushing and pushing the crowd, kept pushing until finally he got backed up to the seaside. And so he, you know, being wise, he said, I'm going to end up in the water here in just a minute. And so there was Peter. And, you know, I, I, I don't know what happened that day. I, I, I'm, I'm just preaching here, okay? So I'm just painting with a big brush. I could be right or wrong. But, you know, Peter just been out fishing, and he, we know he didn't catch anything, and he probably wasn't in the best humor, and he's a fisherman, and he might have been over there murmuring and griping and complaining, even throwing around little Hebrew cuss words or something, you know, because he didn't catch anything. I don't know. But I imagine, you know, he was just just whatever, and he's washing his nets. He's trying to get, you know, Everything cleaned up to go home to tell the wife he didn't have anything. Lost it that day, you know, maybe tomorrow will be better or whatever. And then here's Jesus, and there's a crowd of people. And, you know, he was probably hearing Jesus from, a, you know, a distance. And then he got came up there, and Jesus says, you know, hey, can you put your boat out in the water a little bit so <clears throat> I'm not going to get squashed or wet. And uh, then Jesus starts preaching, and Peter's sitting there listening to me. And then it says... Uh, I want to pick it up here in verse uh, four. He said, when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. Now, Simon answered and said, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. You notice he called him master. Okay, so he gave him the respect of being a rabbi, teacher, or whatever. He said, Master, we've toiled all night. We've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. So in other words... <clears throat> Peter forsook all of his wisdom, all of his ability, all of his thinking, all of his strategy, all of his uh, devising in his mind of what would be right. That's a hard thing for us to do sometimes. You know, sometimes it's we get in the way. Sometimes we've got our head and our thinking the way it should be, and we can't see what God's plan is because we're so busy trying to make our plan happen. Hello? I never forget reading a book by uh, uh, a minister named John G. Lake in the 1930s and 40s, and he's driving down the road, driving his car down the road, and, and uh, he distinctly hears the Holy Spirit said, pull over to the left-hand side of the road. And uh, he's thinking, why would I want to do that? I have to cross traffic to get to the left-hand side of the road. And uh, so he, he's thinking, I need Feels it strong again, pulled to the left-hand side of the road. So he finally just pulls the car over to the left-hand side of the road. And right then, a truck came around the corner. And if he would have been in his lane or pulled off to the right-hand side of the road, the truck would have run into his car and hit him. So, but he had to get past his thinking, his, his knowledge. It didn't make sense. I don't know about y'all, but I'm terrible about driving. In other words, when I go into the town, I've planned out my day everything that I'm going to turn off to the right. 
and I will not go to the left, no matter what. If they said free gas and it's on the left-hand side of the road and I'm on the right, I ain't going to go get it. I am not going to go across. I have everything planned out. I'm going to go this way, and then I want to turn around. I want to come back. I want to pick everything else up that way. And that's just the way I do it. And, and, and uh, you know, so we have our own plans. I got an amen on that? <laughs> I don't know how many uh, disagreements that we've had before. Laura and I, she'd say, oh, we'll pull over this. I'm not pulling over there. There's parking spot over there. Nope, it's on the wrong side. We've got to go this way. So anyway... So y'all know what I'm talking about. So obviously, then our plans get in the way of what God has planned. And then there's the next element on it, okay, because it's not on our natural flow. Then the next element is, well, wait a minute. Um, I just got through washing my net. Have I really heard God? Because I'm about to get it all dirty again. Have I really heard God? Is this really God speaking to me? Okay, and then there's the element of the argument. Well, I mean, why would I let down? I've been fishing all day, I hadn't caught anything, and why I'm just putting out here, and we just launched out into the deep, and why do you think there's fish here that wasn't fish here a while ago, and all of this? And there, there comes this 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 element of faith to believe that you that God's word to you is true. I've thought often about all the people that. The multitude, it would say, would go to Jesus to be healed. But, you know, just think about it. They didn't have the conveniences of a car, air conditioning, bottled water. I mean, just imagine, what did they do when they heard Jesus was in town and everybody broke and ran and you had a sick person you wanted to get to Jesus? I mean, did you stop? Did you pack a picnic basket? Did you go and you know, make sandwiches and get some chips and we'll stop on the way and we'll get chips and we'll get down and take the lawn chairs. There's going to be a lot of people. We're going to be standing there. You know, where are we going to go to the restroom? How are we going to be inconvenienced? You're going to go out there into a big field. There's nothing. You with me? Uh, So many people get turned and discouraged from walking with Jesus because they don't want to go through the inconvenience of it. Or if you, if you let me even say it this way, the dirtiness of it. Go sit in the dirt, listen to Jesus speak. Okay? So, but Peter says, Master, we've told all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. So he put all of his faith in that what Jesus said was true. And so you know the story, he catches a great multitude of fish. Now I want you to jump over to Matthew 8, I mean Luke 8, excuse me. And I want you to go down to uh, verse 4, the story of the parable of the, I mean, the parable of the sower sowing the word. You know this, but just listen tonight and let your ears be open. Don't turn it out. Say, oh, yeah, I know what he's going to say. A great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city and he spoke uh, by parable. He said, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seed fell on the wayside and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up, and it was choked. But others fell on good ground. They sprang up and yielded a crop a, a hundredfold. Now when he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So, I mean, you know, it, it's, 
You can look at this parable. You can look at it in a natural sense. You can kind of know what he's talking about. But then Jesus said these things. He cried. So in other words, he said it loudly. And he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he threw this parable out there. And he says, whoever can hear it, hear it. So then later it says the disciples ask him, saying, well, what does this parable mean? And he said, to you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it's been given a parable, seeing that they may not see, hearing that they may not understand. In other words, it goes back to what I said Sunday, that a person has to seek the kingdom of God to get into it. And the hungry will seek, right? Proverbs tells us that even the bitter things in life to those that are hungry seem sweet, okay? So then he starts to explain the parable to him. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Everybody just take note of that. Okay? Take note of that. The seed that he's talking about here is not a wheat seed, an apple seed. A, you know, it's a, it, the seed he says in this parable what he's talking about. He says it's the word of God. So don't let this get mistaken by any other seed. Okay, it's the word of God. He's saying, I'm, he said, the word of God going out right now preaching. It's a seed. It's an ever, everlasting, eternal seed. It's my word that goes forth, that brings life to all that hear it. Light into darkness. And this word going out, he said, the sower sowing the seed, the word of God's going out. And those by the wayside, they hear it. And then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts. Now, just stop for a second. The seed's being sowed. The devil becomes active. You see this? So that means right now as I'm preaching and everybody's out there watching this message and, 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 and hearing it or watching it, the enemy immediately wants to steal whatever I'm saying tonight, the word, because I'm sowing the word. I'm not preaching out of the Reader's Digest. This is not sports afield, right? In guns and ammo, I'm preaching out of tonight. This is the word of God. So it's seed and it's going out. But the devil wants to steal it out of your heart right now. So immediately when the word goes forth, you think you're just going to listen to a message. You're listening to a message, but there's a battle taking place. Subtly, whether you realize it or not. Because the devil wants to steal the word. Okay. Now look at this, the, the, the next thing here. The, the word, it says, and takes away the word out of their hearts. Okay, it's not in their heads. That's why the Pharisees could quote the Bible forwards and backwards because they had it in their head, not their heart. After reading through the book, book of Daniel and just my daily reading, I, it just became so alive to me, and I, and I listened to some other commentators and read some stuff on it, and I was like, my goodness, it's right there in front of them. Anybody that could read the Bible forwards and backwards could have read through the book of Daniel and predicted the time that Jesus was going to come up and walk up and said, that is the fulfillment of Scripture. That is the Messiah. They should have known the exact date and time. Everything was spelled out, and they didn't, do, they didn't get it. You know why? Because it was in their head, not their heart. Because they weren't looking for the Messiah. How many Christians know what the Bible says in general, but they don't have any of it sown in their heart? Oh, well, I know the Bible stories about Noah and the animals and getting on the ark. and oh, Yeah, yeah, but that's in your head. Well, the things of God are too mysterious for us to know. And how many times have, you know, certain faiths, 
Talk, well, you, 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 you commoners, you can't even read the Bible. You shouldn't even read the Bible because, you know, it'll just it'll make you go crazy. But it's the word, and the devil wants to steal it. Why would the devil be so at the top of his list to steal the word unless he knew that if you got the word in you, something was going to happen? Y'all remember this a few weeks ago when the, the guy opened up uh, the, the house and prayed, you know, and he said, amen, and a woman, you know, right? I listened to a commentator on that, and, and, and I was really shocked because I didn't, I couldn't hear the guy mumbling under his mask what he said, but if you go listen to what he said, he, this guy prayed and opened up the service to the monotheistic God, and he called it Ra. He said who it was. Oh, yeah, it was not Jehovah. And so I thought to myself, huh, isn't that funny? Because see, that word doesn't get living word. It doesn't get any effect. It doesn't have any effect. You follow me? There's no life in it. There's no Zoe life in those kind of words. There's life in the word, God's word. And the devil so much, he wants it stopped. He's going to want to steal it. So don't pray in the name of Jesus. Don't say in God we trust. Don't do these things because we don't want to get that word because if that word ever gets sown in someone's heart, then that word will take an effect and there will be a multitude caught. And the devil doesn't want it. So right here in the very first, Jesus explained the parable. He says, look, the seed is the word of God. They hear it. It's got to get sown in their hearts, but the devil's trying to stop it. Now, it says, the last part of, of that verse, it says, and, and he comes to take away the word of the heart, least they should believe and be saved. That word saved is zozos. And it means, it doesn't mean saved just like, like, you may think saved like, you know, like you're not going to hell, saved. It means total and complete, absolute, 100% deliverance. That's what it means. Absolute, total and complete, 100% deliverance. That's my paraphrase of what it says. I could read all the things to you, but that's what it means. Delivered from everything. Every enemy attack, every hurt, every pain, every boo-boo, every everything that could ever happen in your life, you were delivered from. Total. It's not one thing. It's total and complete. That's what it means. All right? Least they should believe. The devil's trying to steal the word. Least they should be believe and be delivered. You see in this. He says, man, the devil's trying to do whatever he can to, when you hear the living word, for it not to get in your heart. Because if you believe the living word, then you're going to be totally and completely delivered. So he's trying to keep you from being delivered. So he's going to try to steal it, get you sidetracked, get you over on something else, get you thinking some other way. Get something in there. Get something to trip it up. Get something to spoil the seed. The rest of this parable is about the condition of your heart. But this very first verse is talking about the power behind God's word coming into your life. It's really pretty simple. It's just, are you going to believe the word's true or not? Are you going to believe this is just a book or is this the inspired living word of God? that can change your heart and set you free. I do not know how, I, I, can't even, I can't even take a guess at how many times I've read the scripture and seen something and then a thought comes to me 
that's doubt within that scripture that I got from my raising a denominational church or whatever, a wrong teaching here or there, or whatever, that came to me. And I was just like, what? And then I was like, I had to stop for a minute and say, what? I shut up. It's not right. I had to go to arguing. But it's the devil come in immediately, steal the word. He doesn't want you to get the word. Doesn't want you to look at it. Doesn't want you to study it. Doesn't want you to read it. Hello? Okay. So this first one, he says, they're sowed by the wayside. The seed was out there. Now, the seed would take effect in every one of these hearts. But he goes on, he says, but one, but the ones on the, the rock or the rocks are those who, when they hear, now watch this, they hear, they receive the word with joy. Okay? They hear it, they receive it with joy. Oh my gosh, that's the word of God. Thank you, Lord. But they have no root in themselves who believe for a while. They believe. Look, they believe for a while. And then in, a, in time of temptation, they fall away. So they were believing, they were in faith, and the word was working because it brought them joy. But then temptation came upon them, or trials came upon them, and then what did they do? They stopped believing, so then what happened? Quit working. Fell away. Hello? That's what trials do to you. Trials try to steal your faith. Because we're grown up with an American mentality that we should never have any problems. And that if you're doing everything good as a good Christian, you should never have to go through a situation or circumstance. And if I lived by that thinking, I would have just given up a long time ago. Okay? We're not under the Old Testament. We're under the New Testament. The New Testament says in this dispensation of the age of grace is we believe God and God's word works in our life, but we're always being tempted. We're always being tried to quit believing it because it won't work then. And it's not about, are we doing right? Are we doing wrong? We're not living under the Old Testament. It's not God's judgment coming on us. We're living under grace. God's love's always abounding towards us. Or are we going to walk in it or not? How easy it is for the devil to get somebody off to the side, believing nobody loves them, God doesn't love them, nobody cares about them, and then they just go off to the side and begin just to fall away in life. And what do they do? God, God was still there. His word was, still, his word was still strong. His word was all there. But they begin to fall away because of the trials and temptations of life. And then it did not have effect on them anymore. So then it goes on and says, uh, now the ones, I'm in verse 14, now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who when they heard, they go out and are choked with cares. So look at these people. Now, the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, they go out and are choked with the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Okay? So hear this. These people, it didn't say anything about them like losing, not being saved or not being Christians. It's saying that they're just not bringing any fruit to maturity. So here is where I think the biggest part of the Christian church lies is right here. 
just going through the motions, but never bringing any fruit, never being able to help somebody, never being able to tell somebody else a good word, never bringing fruit to maturity. My father, um, when I was, we were growing up, I don't know what, I don't know what happened. Just, I don't know, maybe he just loved peaches, but he just one day decided he was going to put in a peach orchard. And so, I mean, it was this arduous thing we all had to do, get out there and go, you know, dig holes and put in peaches and peach trees. And he went all over the place finding peach trees and the perfect peach tree. And then, then he got into grafting peaches, you know, grafting, he'd go out there and he was grafting all on these peach trees and all like this. And I just saw it as a whole lot of work because I was doing most of it, you know. I would just as soon have ate a canned peach, you know, and not even mess with the thing. And I will admit they were good when they came off, but there was all the, the work that went into it and the, oh my gosh, the birds. And then he would get them and he would be waiting. And I remember he came in one day and he was so mad. I mean, I didn't see my father just get just off his rocker mad very often, but he was just gone crazy because there was a peach that he had been looking at on the tree, you know, on the limb. And that was just getting ripe and it was just getting perfect. And I guess he had just dreamed about he was going to get to eat that thing, you know. And, and then he goes out there to get it because he's thinking now it's about right. And the, you know, birds got to it and it would fall on the ground and the coons got it. And then there was nothing left of this big fat peach that he wanted. And he wasn't happy. Okay, point is we're trying, supposed to be bringing fruit to maturity. Why? Because it's good. And it blesses all of those around. But as Christians get carried down, what does it say? What does it say? Choked with cares, riches, and the pleasures of life that bring no fruit. We get so busy in everything that we're doing, we're not bringing any fruit. We're not helping somebody. We're not blessing somebody. We're not stopping for somebody. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. I was laughing that when I went home Sunday, there was a guy stopped on the side of the road, like going up our county road, and he had his hood on his car up. And so, you know, I mean, obviously I stopped and, you know, hey, y'all need help? No, no, you know. No, yeah, we got it. And then, then I, I thought, I, as I drove off, I laughed. I said, yeah, it's Sunday. Everybody's feeling good. What, how many people don't stop and ask this guy? <laughs> He's going to get tired after a while. He said, no, I've got family coming to bring me, you know, get help me out of here. And I thought, yeah, you're going to just get a whole bunch of church people coming by here. And everybody's going to stop asking, you need any help? No, no, you're going to get tired of this after a while. But we've got to bring fruit to maturity. Okay, so the gospel's not about just getting what we want. The gospel's about bringing fruit. It's not just about getting God to do what we want him to do so we can have what we want. It's about God working within us and developing us to be who we are so that we can bring forth fruit to be a blessing to more people. But verse 15 says, But the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word, with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So again, it's, he talks about bearing fruit. The only difference between the, the third person and the fourth person is that they brought fruit. They got the fruit there. Hello? And the only reason why they did is because they had a good heart or they got a heart that was looking in the right place and didn't get choked down with everything else, but they walked through the same thing as everybody else did. It didn't say they had a good heart, so therefore they had no cares. Life was perfect. Everything was good. It doesn't work that way, church. Matter of fact, if, you know, you don't want to dig too deep in your Bible because if you dig too deep in the Bible, you're going to find out that 
trials and cares that come upon you in life and, and, and persecution are to cause you to develop patience and become more enduring so that your faith can be growing and your love can be growing. We don't want it. There ain't no fun. Hello? But you gotta, if you pass the test, then you're bearing fruit. And I'm as guilty as anybody of just wanting everything to work right. Right? I just want it to work right. I just want everything to go right, and I just want it to work right. I do not want to be tried. Y'all been there, done that, and bought the T-shirt before? And then, you know, after a while, you, you, you go through trials and you go through trials. If you don't understand what trials are for, then you just start getting tired and weary and irritated. And then you just start reverting back to your old flesh. I, I came in and told my wife the other day, uh, well, just yesterday. I said, man, I don't even know if I'm saved. <laughs> I said, you may have to just pray for me right here. I don't even know if I'm saved. And I was trying to put these wires together. And if you know anything about it, it was RJ45 connectors. Jake get a big laugh back there because he's seen me try to do it before. You've got these little series of wires, and they're small wires. And the older you get, the more you can't see. And they're color-coded. And they have to be in a, in a, in a, a certain order. And then they have to fit in this little connection, and, and you got to get them all in there. And, you know, just there's a lot of things and issues that can just happen. And I have been doing them, and, man, I mean, like I've been on a winning streak, you know, and just like I was getting them all 100%. And so I put this one together, and I have a little tester, and I tested it, and it said it wasn't good. Connection wasn't good. I'm like, huh. So I, now you've got two ends. So you don't know if this end's bad or if this end's bad. And I've already got this thing strung through all the pipe and everything. I don't want to pull it out. And so I look at one end of it, and I'm looking, you know, and, you know, and that's a 50-50 shot, me looking. Right? Because I'm looking at these little tiny wires, even my glasses on. I mean, I'm looking, and you're trying to look in there and say, I said, man, that baby looks right. So then I go to the other side and I look at it. I said, I said, man, Lord, that thing looks right. And so then I put the tester back on. Still wasn't due. Then I scrape it with my knife. Then I just go to jerking and then I twist on it and whack it. And then I test it and it won't do anything. And I'm just getting madder. Because what I'm thinking is I have to jerk this whole thing out. I had to put a new one in and I don't know what to do. And so finally I just, I just lose it. And the thought comes to me, I'm just going to pick up the camera unit. And I'm just going to throw it. And I'm like, Robert, get hold of yourself. I did this coach myself down. I said, get hold of yourself. What are you? This, this is not that big a deal. But you're just letting it go because you're irritated to start out with. Well, see, that's what happens to us in our spiritual walk. I mean, this is a natural thing, but this also starts happening in our spiritual walk. We start getting irritated with these little things, but we've got to come to an understanding that if we want to bring fruit to maturity, we're going to have to do it with patience. And that word patience, I hate to tell you. It doesn't mean sitting in your easy chair drinking iced tea, waiting. I'm sorry. I wish I could. I wish I could lie to all tonight and tell you it means just taking a nap in the spirit. It does. But it means endurance. And I don't know about y'all, but endurance, there's no way you're going to endure without it costing you some energy, right? 
I mean, if you're climbing a mountain and you're hanging on by your fingernails and you're enduring, I mean, you know, it's like, because if you turn loose, you're going to fall. Enduring means going towards the wind. It means, it ain't nothing pretty about enduring. I, I'm sorry. I, I just don't find anything pretty about enduring. Enduring means you're putting forth effort and resistance against another force that's coming against you. But in doing that, and we walking the good fight of faith, what happens in the end is we, the, the Spirit of God, the Word of God goes down on the inside of us. It settles into our heart. It produces in us, us God's work in us so that then we bear fruit. So be careful about prayers you play, pray. Say, oh, God, I just want to be a better Christian. I just want to be a greater Christian. I want to, be, I want to see you more because those prayers mean you're allowing God then to help you endure, to stretch you, to build your faith. Nobody goes into a gymnasium to become a bodybuilder that you don't first learn that you have to tear muscle down to build muscle, that you have to find something to resist. No, nobody goes in there and says, I don't want to put any weight on the bar. I just want to use the bar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm working out. Yeah, I work out in the gym, you know, five times a week. <laughs> just the bar. You just like the clothes. Right? Oh, I love to go to the gym, just drink water all day. <laughs> it's kind of hot in there, sweat, see people. Hey, how you doing? Oh, look at that guy over there but you don't do anything. No, if you're going to get in shape, you have to go in there and resist. So we do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so, so we have to, if we want to bear fruit, we have to resist. And what are we resisting? The enemy and the trials and the temptations of life, the thoughts, the doubts, the unbeliefs that are coming to us to steal the word of God from our hearts so that we won't bear fruit. Amen? So we're going to endure tonight. We're going to be people who endure. Go forward. Amen? So look at the person beside you and say, I'm sorry. You've got to endure. <clears throat> Amen. Well, praise God. I've beat on you enough tonight. Stand up. Those of you out there watching, I'm going to pray over your finances right now. I'm going to bless you. I thank you for giving, sending in your online giving and all the things that you're doing. I praise you for that, that just praise God that he's blessed us and we're just continuing to go on in life. Those of you in here, I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you all out there too, but I'm just going to pray for you all. And I believe God's going to show you some things through here. Remember, a devil's going to want to steal this message as soon as you... As soon as I say amen, okay, don't let him do it. So, Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name as the people here tonight and those out there watching in the, in the viewing audience, I just declare, Lord, right now in Jesus' name, I pray for them. I pray, Lord God, that the good hand of God is upon them. Nehemiah 8, Lord God, I declare, I declare Nehemiah 2 and 20 over them, Lord God, that they are blessed because your hand is upon them. I just declare, Lord God, that this night that we are going to see when our eyes are going to be open, we're going to be like Peter and we're going to let out our nets down and we're going to have a great catch because we're going to hear your word. We're going to let it get sown into our hearts. And Lord, we will not stop going forward. We will not quit. 
We will never give up on your word. We're never going to stop believing. Lord, though the trials of life, the temptations of life, the cares of life come upon us, we're going to continue to believe your word. We're going to continue to walk with you. We're going to continue to go forth. And Lord, I declare we're going to bear fruit. And that fruit's going to bring souls into eternity. And so, Lord, I praise you for it. Bless them tonight. Bless their finances tonight. Lord, bless their offerings, their giving, their tithes. And Lord, we give you praise for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church.